Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia Apostle, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Oh, and I'm so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, lovelies, and welcome back to the Fat Joy podcast. I am so excited to have Treva joining us today. Hi, Treva. Hello, hello. <laughs> Treva, we know each other from the wonderful Kelly Deals because I signed up for the Feminist Copywriting Certificate, and you're very involved in her program. And, um, so lovely to see you again. For anyone listening who doesn't know Kelly Deals, definitely check her out as well. Include a link in the show notes. The work she's doing is incredible. Um, Treva, how about you tell us a little bit about you? Wonderful. Um, yes, I love talking about me. Okay, sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. My name is Treva Woods. Um, I would identify myself as a mixed race woman with Indigenous ancestors. Um, and let's see, I have like a lot of experience in body work, education, and community building. Um, I love helping support people unpack cultural appropriation and also community building. And I love, and this is Kelly Deal's term because, you know, I work in her ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, I love helping culture makers um, gift the world with their knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. their intellectual property, if you will, um, and lived experience. Um, get that out in the world i love to help them do that so yeah i get, I get to i get to have a fun time that's all uh -huh. i have to say well and you're very good at it too <laughs> you're very good at it um so i love and i i agree i love that term that kelly created culture makers it's true and i didn't even like and when i think about how i identify i'm also a fat woman yeah. um and i'm queer so you know there's um I'm a mom. You know, there's there, what more labels? I we could spend an hour. Yeah, uh, labeling all kinds of all kinds of <laughs> identifying labelers. Um, but I would love, and if it's okay with you, um, yeah. that I also do a quick land acknowledgement. I just Please. feel like that's really important. Yes. Um, I just love to acknowledge that I'm on the traditional land of the Eno, the Totalo, the Saponi, the Okanichi, the Sakori, and the Tuscarora people, past, present, and future. Um you know what we can do if people are wondering about that land acknowledgement i have a free land acknowledge resource you don't have to sign it yes. for there's no strings attached at all um literally there's a link you go right to it um I'm, i'll be happy to have you put that in the show notes if people are like oh i've been curious about that i would love that thank you i've just made a note to myself yes i checked it out and it's it's beautiful yeah thank you i will definitely share that and thank you for doing a land acknowledgement for this moment so Treva, as you know, we're going to talk about all things fat and fatness and anti-fatness and anti-oppression. 
um, which so aligns with the work that you do in the world as well around cultural appropriation, um, lineage. So let's just dive in with what is your relationship to the word fat and how has that journey towards that word gone for you? Whew, talk about a loaded question. <laughs> Love it, Sophia. Okay, so um, presently, my I use the term fat as an identifier for myself as a positive or just a neutral term, not as a, a negative one. Uh, but it's taking a long time for me to get there and lots of years, lots of steps. Um, I think a lot of it is because I am, I have PCOS and I've known that for mid 20 years at least oh, wow. I was diagnosed when I was really young I was like I think 21 or 22 mm. and you know back then it was uh you, you might have trouble having a kid right fertility stuff mm -hmm. so you'll come and see us and you'll need a diet just diet oh, um <laughs> and unfortunately I took that advice um like mm -hmm. most people in the world and continually tried to make my body smaller without you know, having the proper medical treatment and um, and all of that. And it actually, I think, made it worse for me, right? Yeah. Now I'm dealing with a lot of side effects on yo-yo dieting, even though I haven't done that for years. Yeah. But I am working on just continuing to unpack fat phobia that's inside me, like that internalized fat phobia, and find joy in my own mm -hmm. fatness and, and the own, just the, own, like how I am presently and how I can enjoy my body. Mm -hmm. um, someone who's helped me with that, another, I'll probably drop lots of stuff. Yeah, I'll give you do all, it, do all, it. all the show notes, right? All the, <laughs> the show notes are going to be so juicy. Um, there is a, uh, there is a podcast called um, Three Questions with Kat and Val. Have you heard of this oh. one? I don't know if I have. Okay, well, I'll check it out. Can absolutely delicious. I just have to say, absolutely delicious. Um, won't say much other than uh, cat definitely di identifies as fat, and the way um, they've described like being fat and having sex and being intimate and like all this—it's just so delicious. Yeah, it's it just yeah. It gets, it's really amazing. Anyway, so just finding different things like that to just like bring in the lusciousness of yeah. my fatness. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Can't be, I'm not so eloquent. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's perfect. I love that you also mentioned internalized fat phobia because I think this is something that um, I think is a little harder for people. I can name, you know, 30,000 things out in the world that are fat phobic. And it's hard for me after having done so much work to get to where I am with my body to realize, oh, there are still pockets of that internalized fat phobia. And I know how can there not be, I know to be gentle with myself, but it is so deep in there. So Treva, for you, as you were, because you mentioned, um, working on the internalized fat phobia piece, the internalized anti-fatness, like 10 years ago, what would that have been like five years ago? And now, like, I'd love, could you take us through a little bit of, yeah, timeline? Sure. Um, 
It's interesting because I've had a few lives as anyone who's middle-aged at this point. Um, and, you know, I, some of my family members are, you know, larger and it's always been my mom constantly dieted. Right. And that was just, you know, it's just very common. My, I remember my aunt, my mom always talking about diets and whatnot. Um, and now I laugh cause they weren't, I mean, they were straight sized bodies all the way, but when I think about being a adult and having, I had a, my son and being the heaviest at that point I've ever been in my life. So the only thing I knew how to do was to diet and to try all the things. Um, and there's, you know, plenty out there to spend your money on um, and to do. And um, I won't even, no need to name them. Uh, we could just fill in the blank. But then I moved to China. And so this is about 15 years ago, I'd say. Uh, no, yeah, 13, 10. And um, I moved to China and, you know, people in China are built different. It just yes. is what it is. And they have a completely different culture as you do when you're living in someone else's country and you're an immigrant in someone else's country. And it was really difficult for that. I was, you know, a small fat then, not, you know, a very able-bodied, very athletic. Um, I had done triathlons, right? Like all this stuff. But I was, you know, um, still, I think, I don't know if you want to do sizes, but I was about mm -hmm. a size 18, which in America, yeah. you could maybe could find clothes in a regular store, but most often, like you were right on that line, that 16, mm -hmm. 18 line, that's like this weird place, yeah. um, especially back then. And um, so I remember like when I would go, I couldn't find clothes that would fit me and mm. I would have to come home and buy all my clothes. And, um, and people would say stuff, you know, like right to your face. And so I was always trying. And I remember that's the last time mm. that I've, well, that was one of the times when I ended up losing a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I still had the body I had, right? <laughs> I still have my grandma's body, you know, <laughs> and it, you know, it's never going to be, a, I wasn't born a Chinese and a Chinese, you know what I mean? Like, that's just not my genetic makeup. And, you know, we're all different. And um, so I remember that was interesting. And then I decided we got a job in Saudi Arabia. So I was an international teacher when I taught oh, cool. at international school. So um, can I can I ask a question about when you were in China and teaching yeah. in international school? Did your body size impact in that way? Like, did the students say anything? Were there issues with admin? Because oftentimes fatness in the workplace is act is actually quite detrimental. There's a lot of assumptions. You're often paid yeah. less. Did you experience any of that? You know, interesting in China in the workplace, I did not. Oh, um, other than because all the teachers were either mostly Canadian and US. Right. Um, some were Australian and, and from the UK, but mostly all from North America. Yeah. And um, and so it was all, you know, all of us and the kids were not Chinese or unless like the, the only kids that were allowed to go in these schools are foreign nationals is what they were called in China. So they had to have a passport that wasn't Chinese in order to go. Um, they did not want Chinese nationals going because they had their own program, if you could imagine. Right, and um, right. own things they want to make sure that, the, the, you know, their, their uh, citizens are thinking. So, right. um, so it was like a lot of Brazilians and a lot of Koreans and just like a real large like swath. I don't know. It just didn't seem, I was a first grade teacher, so it just didn't 
it, that didn't really come up. I didn't really have an incident. I had a one incident that was really interesting happened to me in Saudi Arabia, but um, but not in China. Oh, it's okay. funny enough. Yeah, yeah. So it was more that feeling of you felt that, that was that internalized thing again, like when you yeah, were walking well, around. Oh yeah, and because I'm mixed race, um, people depending on how I was dressed or what I'd wear, um, I have hooded eye, you know, eyes. Yeah, so they would kind of. I had people that would, like cock their head and start speaking Mandarin to me just to see, like, do I have a parent that's Chinese? You know what I mean? And it's like they just weren't sure. Um, and I'm really uh-huh. short, right? So I'm not tall, so I fit in that way, right? And um, yeah, it was just. It was interesting. Now there was the typical, like when I did quote unquote lose weight, oh, you look great. Oh, what are you doing? You know, that kind of mm-hmm. crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know people think it's well beating, but just no, don't. it's horrible. Don't do it. Just, just don't. <laughs> we anyway. should never comment on anybody's bodies ever because we don't yeah. know what's going on. We don't. We don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a lot more of this stuff happen in Saudi Arabia, but the interesting yeah. thing is when I left China, I decided I was done yo-yo dieting. Oh. I was done. And I what was also, honestly, right now, I don't even remember. Like, I think it's because I started gaining the weight back again. Yeah. I was going to Hong Kong all the time on the ferry, getting all these alternative treatments and, and, and mm-hmm. doing all that, like candida treatment and this thing and that thing. I was spending so much money and I was restricting my diet so much mm. in order to like be healthy. And I, I have quotation marks for yeah. that for people who can't see. And just so much time and energy, you know, yeah. and yet there was this mountain, Donshan Mountain there that was all steps. And funny enough, they have speakers, they have rocks that are speakers. And so, you know, loud music all the way up and down <laughs> for those of you who want to enjoy peaceful nature. But I loved it. I loved, <laughs> I loved my time in China. Um, and my friend and I would walk up this mountain. It was like huge. Uh-huh. And we would run down because we were crazy because we were crazy. <laughs> There's no, no sign. Yeah. We were, we weren't thinking clearly about the risk of falling down these steps. Um, <laughs> Not sure what that says about my mental state, but um, so, uh, you know, and I just think if I could do that now, wow, you know, <laughs> and I just remember always, we were always like trying to be smaller, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, yeah. but I was a runner and I was, I was doing all the things, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I was so able-bodied. And the reason I guess I can reflect is because I'm not now. So it's a real, ref- it's like, oh, Right. I wasted so much time with that. So right. I don't know what prompted it, but I'm I can't remember now. But I remember very distinctly, like not I'm just all done. Yeah, good. I think I read I was really seeing how weight cycling was so detrimental to your health. And so I was like, I'm just not doing that anymore. But at the time I was still restricted, like gluten and just other stuff. Like I just felt like it wasn't good. It was hurting my stomach. You know, I wasn't all that. So you can imagine living overseas. It's hard to get, so, so much of my time and energy was like trying to get these certain foods and trying to do all this stuff. And um, so I decided I was going to do my bucket list anyway. And on my bucket list was um, scuba diving and skiing. Never Uh done. I was always waiting. Oh, and I didn't wear a swimsuit my whole time in China. So I was like, this is, I don't know what, I I wish now I knew what had inspired me because I would 
give them a shout out. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember now. Um, but I was like, I'm done with this. And I moved to Saudi Arabia, right? Literally on the coast. Like wow. my, my house is two blocks from the beach oh. and, and that was glorious. I'm not going to lie. And I'm in a swimsuit and yes. I'm learning. I learned how to scuba dive and I did, I did ski at ski Dubai. Yes. <laughs> I went, to, the I went to ski Dubai <laughs> with my son and did one lesson and it was fun, but it hurt my chin so bad. I was like, this is, I'm never doing this again, but I tried it, right? Like I tried yeah. it. I was able to mark it off. So, but I was still very much, then I got into functional medicine oh. and I became like the super functional medicine nerd. And again, just another healthism, like, you know, not saying there's nothing to be had about what functional medicine does, but it's definitely a very easily toxic place mm -hmm. where everyone's trying to sell stuff, right? And so in the end, it's just a bunch of marketing and advertising, in my opinion. And I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. And so I spent my five years in Saudi when I lived off the beach, um, you know, not dieting, not trying, I wasn't trying to lose weight. Um, I did once when I did something, but I was so into like being able to move my body and do different things. And, you know, that was, that was awesome. But I wish I could have just enjoyed it because mm. my size was fine. You know what I mean? My body was fine. My body was yeah. doing all the things. And I did have a big tummy. I've always had a big belly and um, it's kind of a hallmark of PCOS for a lot of people. But I do remember like going into a doctor there and them looking right at me and going, we need to check your blood sugar. Cause they were just for sure. I had diabetes mm -hmm. and you know, I had it on my chart that I pieced us, but like no one ever put it together, but no one checked my insulin levels. No one checked my insulin levels. They only checked my blood sugar. My body is awesome. I, I just have to say, can we just send a little love to my pancreas? Oh. <laughs> it was working like three times harder its whole life to maintain Aww. my blood sugar at a decent level until very recently when I hit mid age and this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then your insulin resistance goes off the chart, but they didn't, you know, we just don't get the right medical care. You know no. what I mean? And as a woman and, and in a bigger body. So yeah, I ended up leaving my marriage, moving to the States. Um, had, uh, I had a instance with mold and then got really sick and oh no and then like i moved here in 2015 at the end so i was bringing my son back to live in america and be a part of the change and mm -hmm. that's not what happened in our country as everyone knows mm -mm. and so it was it's just been i was a single mom for years and um i started learning more about um, like anti-racism work in my teaching career. Mm -hmm. And that led me into more of like the justice kind of community. And then when I wanted to stop teaching because I, I couldn't do it anymore, yeah. um, I was in a lot of pain and whatnot for my condition. I, anyway, that's how I've ended up here. And so for the last yeah. few years, I, I, my body has changed dramatically. Yeah. And I'm much larger. I am now fat, you know, um, and just, and I'm a lot less able-bodied. So it's interesting for me 
to think back to all of that. Like you just made mm-hmm. me think back, like, what was it 10? What was it five years? And it took my, I guess my, my point of the whole story is it took me a long time. Like I went from, oh, wait a minute, weight cycling and yo-yo diet isn't great to, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that. And then I'm just going to try to get to the symptom and I'm going to tr- try to appreciate. And then, and then it was, what was it? What was the next thing? Like body uh, body positivity love, yeah body positivity yeah. so I tried you know of course I tried that and I tried to embrace all of that and then um and then as I've dealt more and more into the justice the world of having more justice in the world um it has definitely been body neutrality is definitely <laughs> felt much better for me <laughs> and just yeah. like realizing all the different intersections about um you know like the colonial mindset and mm-hmm. racism and anti-fatness and just you know what i mean like when you're talking about that internalized anti-fatness or or it's it's just like that's lifelong work yeah it's never going to be over for us we were born in it we're swimming in it constantly yeah right so we're just like it's just like this continually unpacking yeah um but I feel so much more liberated now. And I go to Planet Fitness right now, not trying to plug for them, but I do. Mm. It's working for me. Um, but I just take up all the space. Nice. I just take up all the space. I go <laughs> so what does there. that look like? Yeah. Tell I just us what go that in looks there like. do. Well, the other day, and I try, I don't, I mean, I can appreciate there's not like a lot of political things going on or anything. And they, and I love their like real inclusive environment that they're trying to cultivate there. There's like no shame and no judgment written all over and wow. this places for everybody. Yeah. It's actually great. And they're really big. So you can kind of get a lot, like you don't feel like you're just on top of each know, other. Yeah. Which yeah. I appreciate. And they have so many different options um, of different kinds of things and ways you can move your body that could feel good. And um, so, yeah. So what that looks like is like, I like to do the treadmill Um and I often listen to podcasts. So I've been doing a little bit more and more. I'm building up my stamina there. And that's feeling really good because I live in present day so-called North Carolina in the U.S. on the East Coast. It is hot. It is hot here in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like I lived in Saudi Arabia and I thought when I moved here, y'all are just, y'all are wusses. It's fine. Mm-hmm. No. It's the humidity. It's so bad. That yeah. You just don't want to be outside. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the opposite of what you think summer would be, right? Yeah. It's like, it's the indoor time for us. It is. And so, <laughs> yeah. So, so joining the gym has been such a great uh-huh. thing to get me out of the house and doing it. And I'm enjoying yeah. it. And I do the weights and I do like the, sometimes I do the little circuit you know, and then I have to glare at people who aren't doing it, you know, <laughs> the, old, the older fat lady in there, like, what, what are you doing? But I just go in there and I just like take up all the space and do yeah. my thing and like have zero fucks. Can I, I love it? Yes. Yeah. You can absolutely yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah. That reminds me of something I read recently, someone else talking about the gym and it was, it was so interesting. I, until I read this post or meme or whatever it was, I was like, I hadn't thought about it, but part of fat liberation or body neutrality is also breathing the way that you're going to breathe. I have never real until I read that I thought, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize just how self-conscious I am about being in the presence of others and breathing heavily. Cause it's like, cause that's part of my internalized fat phobia. Oh, there's the fat woman breathing hard. And so 
when I read that, I thought, oh my God, I still worry about that. I still will choose to opt out of something if I'm with certain people, not all people, but certain people where they're going to hear my breath get heavier and, uh, and like, you know, like just breathing heavy, like from exertion. And then I read this thing and I thought, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to breathe the way I'm going to breathe. And people can have their own damn thoughts. And, but that's part of taking up space, something as simple as breathing heavily when you're going through exertion and not making it about fatness, making it about my muscles are doing what they're supposed to do. My lungs are growing, expanding and contracting as they're supposed to. And, but it's funny because again, this idea of internalized fat phobia, I was just shot. And this is like last week, I think maybe a couple of days ago when I saw this thing and I thought, oh shit, <laughs> there's another one. There's another pocket of my own internalized anti-fatness still showing up. I think that's a hard one because mm-hmm. even I am still unpacking that because I've, you know, I've, I've known about that. It's interesting how this stuff is so ingrained and mm-hmm. so deep down that you don't even think about it. And I have not wanted to be walking up. I have, I, I live in a hilly little neighborhood and I, when I do walk, you know, I'm puffing and huffing up Well, I'm puffing and huffing most of it, but up the hill for sure. Yeah. And sometimes I have to stop. Like I can't do the whole hill right now. And I just have to stop and rest and catch my breath and then mm-hmm. continue on, which is all fine. You know, it shouldn't be a thing. And then when like all the kids are out or there's a bunch of people out walking, like there's the bus stops or, you know, whatever, I get so self-conscious. Yes. Like I want to reroute. I want to get on across the street. I've, I've just really, have, I'm still catching myself, Yeah. you know, not, not that long ago kind of doing. So I love that reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your gym example brought it up for me. And I'm so happy to hear that there's a gym that is focusing on a little more neutral space. I'm actually, I'm, I'm checking out um, a new, because I want to also be more active, but I've done all the gyms and the ones that I have been to suck. Like I just can't do it. And I've also done personal trainers and that was great, but there's this place I live in a rural area right now. (laughs) There's this place. I love this name. It really connotes what it is. Farm girl fitness. Um, (laughs) When there's like tires and you like walk with blocks of wood, like it's all, apparently we're doing farm chores, Um, (laughs) which I think is hysterical. Um, But what I, what convinced me to give kind of group exercise a chance was the founder and the about us, about me section names diet culture and how mm-hmm. this is a space where they she does not want that to happen. And she came from a more conventional gym setting and there was a lot of that toxicity and she's purposefully trying to be different. And so I'm going to give it another shot. I'm meeting with a trainer next week. We'll see. It's going to be my first question because now that I am in my 40s and fat and embrace it. I don't give two fucks and be like, before we do anything, I need you to tell me your stance on diet culture. How is that upheld in this space? Are people, if you hear people talking about weight loss, are you going to stop it? Because I don't want to be in that kind of space. And it's actually toxic for everybody. So please prove to me that what's on your website is actually going to happen. So I'm I'm an eternal, hopeful optimist. So we shall see. Uh, but I'm so happy you found a space that you can go to and take up space, Treva. Like just even when you said that, I could 
I felt the luxury of that. I can be here and I can take up space. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I had a hard day co-parenting and parenting my kid and um, I was upset. And the first inclination, this is how I know I've really ingrained in the habit of moving. I, yeah. I needed to move my body because I was feeling a lot yes. of resentment. You know what I mean? And just move like, you it. just need move to work that out. Yeah. You know, we can't control all that stuff. Right. And so it's like, you mm-hmm. have to move it out. And I wore my year on native land t-shirt. <laughs> yes. The gym. And I just really, I was just on that treadmill, you know, moving, listening to some, some good music. And, yeah. um, but you know, I would have never given it a shot if it wouldn't have been for another friend who was also in a fat body saying how comfortable they felt there. Oh, and so, so it's good. really great. Like when we connect with other people who are fat and, and have similar, you know, lived experience that we can advocate for each other and we can help each other kind of find yeah. spaces that yeah. have a little bit more ease in them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because everywhere well, we go is a landmine, you know? Right. And the labor involved with evaluating each place, emotional labor, possibly of explaining or educating or advocating for our needs. So yeah, shared, sharing that wisdom is so, so good. Um, Speaking of, you know, connection to others and the fact you were wearing <laughs> your shirt, you're on native land, which is uh, delightful um, and important. Um, Though a lot of the work that you have done has been about lineage and connection to our ancestors. And one of the things I'm really curious about is what role, if any, does body have to do with that piece? This You have on your website that you help people remember their power, connecting them through their lineages, their own traditions and community care rituals, all, all without culturally appropriating, which I think is brilliant and beautiful. And I love that work. And I just think about my own lineage, my own mother and father, and specifically my mom, and then my grandmom, and then my great-grandmother, and like all these stories that have been passed down. And when I think about them through a body-based lens, I can see why my family and now resulting in me is very, very screwed up around food. I mean, I come from a family of um, deep poverty. My parents, my mom's family were um, in the mountains, rural mountains, like of Greece with like nothing, literally like a donkey was their big possession. Um, and I think that was shared amongst a few families, you know, there was, it was deep poverty. And my parents, when they immigrated here as children, there was still that poverty mindset. There was still so much food scarcity until, you know, until my parents, you know, were able to um, get through university and start working. And then, you know, started their less less poverty um, defined lives, and that's also it's interesting because that's also in a lot of where we kids came along, and a lot of food stuff happened. And what does it mean to look a certain way? And I think that's where a lot of the cultural uh, conditioning came in. Um, cause in our family food and enjoyment of eating was, is a bit of a cultural tradition, I think passed down for Greek people, but because there was such poverty growing up, it's almost like it went the other way with massive abundance, but then 
but that can't show on your body. And then there was this whole equation of eating food with fat bodies. And it just is so convoluted and complicated. I'm still parsing through a lot of it to understand it. But it feels to me like there is a real connection between lineage and body size. And like you said, you have your grandmother's body. I totally have my grandmother's body on my dad's side, like spitting image. And she's the one who basically indoctrinated me into diet culture as a kid. And I'm still reckoning with how I feel about that and my disappointment and my heartbreak around that um, and what could have been different. So all that to say, there's something so interesting to me about lineage and bodies and like, what, what do you know about that? What work have you done in that area? What do you even know about your own grandmother's experience? Because you mentioned your grandmother's had a particular experience as well. Yeah. Um, well, my grandma Shirley is kind of the inspiration for a lot of my current work. Mm. Um, she is my mother's mother. Um, and she was not white <laughs> growing up in rural Iowa in the states and um she ended up like having a very large body um in her adult life so much so that she was over she told this is her story she was like over 300 pounds and she goes to the doctor and they and i think this is in the 70s they did an, a very experimental surgery. It was one of the first ones mm. where they took out part of your large intestine oh. um, and to see if that would help, you know, her quote unquote lose oh. weight, right? So like early gastric bypass kind yes. of thing before they yeah, were she doing? she was like in the experimental, yeah, she oh, was, you know, and of course, like here, here we are, a woman of color, you know, yeah, right. um, being experimented on. And, um, but she wanted help with it. I don't know how much her life was like, I don't know physically how her life was impacted by being in a larger body, but she had many children, you know, she was able, she probably, I mean, I, I'm assuming she probably had PCOS or something like that because that's, um, it's, it can often be genetic. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, she really, I, my, my mom reflected on it because she was, I don't know how old my mom was when she got the surgery but I think she was still a minor and she remembered like her losing a lot of weight and her not liking it. Like my, my mom not liking it because it mm. wasn't who her mom was. Right. And like she lost some of that softness that she was used to. And she, um, and my grandma was still a big woman because she was never small. She was still a big woman. And she had this like big scar around her stomach from mm. the surgery. And I don't know if, that surgery ever helped her with blood sugar or insulin resistance as often um you know indigenous people have a much higher incidence of insulin resistance and diabetes and there's lots of reasons and theories for that and also alcoholism like my, my grandmother struggled with that and but for the time i knew her she she had quit drinking you know she was older and yeah, she was just always big. I loved her for who she was, you mm. know, and she didn't lack from attention from men, mm. no matter her body size. Like she had several children with different men, you know, like <laughs> obviously things were, you know what I mean? It's just so interesting, right? It's like you have to be small and you have to attract a guy and you have to keep him and just all this like really incestuous, like horrible messaging we get yeah. about why our bodies need to be, you know, smaller and take up less space and Mm -hmm. And, you know, my grandma was a strong woman who, you know, um, 
could work hard and did labored hard, you know, um, I think she was like a CNA, she ended up having a back injury, mm. but, you know, so her life was not easy, mm. um, you know, growing up in the place she did, not being white, you know, um, but I never, like, I, her body was always just who she was, you know, and like, I just, I, w- I try to remember that. Like when I think about my body and who's judging it, and I think my own kids, this is just who I am, right? It doesn't matter what size my body is. It's just who we are, right? It's just who we are. And that's how I thought about my grandma. You know, I never, I never thought she was quote unquote fat or cared or she was just a soft woman I could hug and love, you know? Um, So, and I think she died when she was 63. She was fairly young and I, I think she had a lot of um, digestive issues and stuff from getting the surgery, you know, things that they don't really tell you. Um, Yeah. So that's that story. And, just reflecting on that but something that i went in i sometimes run uh um, groups and cohorts that talk about uh lineage and heritage right Mm -hmm. and we get to go explore our lineage that's why i know a lot i've been taking trips to places where my relatives and ancestors have lived and you know done all this kind of fun stuff and one of the things that we do is we don't just talk about um only going back in your family tree you know, we talk about how to, you know, kind of explore and connect with your ancestors and looking at that lineage is sometimes just get a picture, right? And look at it just real closely. And like, is there any similarities? Is there anything you notice? Is there anything you mm. share? And what, you know, what, and just like all the details about the picture and the clothing mm. and maybe the background. And just like, there's just like a whole exercise we do. You know, it doesn't all have to be this, like which who's your DNA and all you know I don't know just like you know yeah. all that like ancestry.com type. so it's a great tool but there's so many other ways we can explore our lineage and we can explore those connections and with our bodies um so mm. that's one that I like to do is like looking at photographs and like really mm. like honoring who they were realizing mm. they're all unique seeing what things I might share and then the other one is putting my body on land that my ancestors were on, mm. if that's available, is really yeah. powerful, right? Yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasons I want to go back to Greece as soon as an adult, because I haven't been, I went twice, but I was 14 and 16. And I mean, 16-year-old Sophia was not thinking <laughs> about anything really other than beach and boys. So um, I've often thought like it'd be... it just yeah to physically be in that space and imagine and feel connected to the earth and kind of walk on the mountains that my ancestors walked on and my dad's family is from a bigger city from Thessaloniki so going there and just yeah like there is this desire to be connected I think that what is do you think it's to help us understand who we are now is that why we want to explore lineage yeah i think well there's always been in all like traditional societies we've always had a connection with our ancestors and our lineage and where we come from and the land like that's actually the human condition that's actually what's natural and i think more 
uh, restorative for us. And, um, but the colonial mindset and, you know, um, the kind of system we live in now with the dominant culture we have is a real disconnection. And that's yeah. why, you know, like I talk about cultural appropriation, but we, the reason people are cultural appropriating, uh, it's not because people are evil. <laughs> it's because, it's because there's a big hole, right? There's this big yeah. void of like meaning and roots yeah and connection yeah. and that has been stripped away systematically by yes. white supremacy culture right and um because you know you have to buy into whiteness to get the to get to get the advantage and to get to, you know and when you're raising your family and you have children it's really hard not to take that advantage i'm not gonna lie Absolutely. right like we all you know all of us in our families have you know but you know probably have tried to partake in some sort of way because the system really is destructive and um you, you're trying to find a way to survive it right so going back to our lineage exploring it with curiosity and joy and and being able to process grief about you know things not all of our ancestors were well and that's okay you know and just having like rituals and 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 being able to have time to explore um all these like the food and the traditions um and your stories, you know, and the mm -hmm. land, because our bodies are like, we're in our DNA, our bodies are made up of like the land, you know what I mean? And the food that was there and the, the way we lived in the, the land so much informed our culture, what we ate, what we celebrated, right? That's still in us, you know, the, that's still literally built into our bones. So I think it's a great way to like, especially if you're working on decolonizing and you're working for more justice in the world, I think connecting back to where your ancestors came from, or let's say you're adopted or, you know, that like the culture you grew up in or, you know, mm -hmm. wherever you're at now, you know, there's mm -hmm. all different ways to approach it. There's no right or wrong way, in my opinion. I just think that having that peace being able to play with that mm. and have that connection is so important because it gives you this like ground to stand on mm -hmm. to of relation, right? Like how can we, how can we relate to indigenous people that of the land we live on now? We'll say, you know, if we live on land that is traditionally uh, not land from our own ancestors, how can we start to respect Right mm. and be in a reciprocal relationship if we don't even know where we come from. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like a really important step. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I like that you mentioned grief as well because this, especially if people have been harmed by their lineage or there's trauma in the lineage that's been passed down generation by generation, so that you know we bear it <laughs> you know it's in my the epigenetics are living inside of me um there is a resentment a frustration a grief that has to a grief process i would say probably that needs to be gone through to be able to come into right relationship with our lineage this is this is really close to me right now especially um with my grandmother's death and i you know felt the need to protect myself um 
and therefore only went to one small part of the service, didn't do the whole thing. Cause I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, and this is a horrible thing to say, but it, it felt so important to me. It still feels important. I couldn't honor in that moment, you know, and no one in my family understands because they didn't experience what I did and they don't believe what I say about it. And so I'm proud of my ancestry. I'm proud of so many things that my family has done. I think there's a tenacity that comes with being an immigrant. I think it's, um, you know, there's the stories that these, you know, intergenerational or what is it? Previous generational stories that exist like we were, my family was a little rebellious. I know where I get my rebel streak. Um, they may have also been criminals, um, which I also kind of feel. <laughs> I feel like the 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 counterculture element there that shows up in me as well. But there's also pain. Like I experienced pain, and oh, reckoning with that, Treva, is really hard and i know people who you know in different workshops i've taught where they talk about you know they they're estranged from their family when they acknowledged being queer and now they're trying to explore this as well how do i stay connected to my lineage when i no longer talk to anyone in my immediate family we've been estranged for 10 years because of that pain like you know i any what like like, what would you say to me? <laughs> well, I have a couple I... of things. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I have a couple thank of things. <laughs> Help me with is, my pain. <laughs> is, um, this is a, um, it's just a, com two, like, smaller bites, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you, if you're thinking about your recent ancestor who's just passed on, um, your grandma, do it like smaller right mm. like take less like we have this idea in this dominant culture that we're just going to fix ourselves we're going to do this big thing and then it'll be done oh you know, yeah I'm be yes, healed please. and i'll be able to like <laughs> forget forget you know whatever yeah and it's just no. so much more messier than it's that so it's messy. so messy so just be okay with the mess you know be in it and um grief is interesting it comes in waves it's just it's just so it's just such an interesting um, it's a part of being human, you know, <laughs> and I just say, you know, lean into the uncomfortable feeling and then lean out. Yeah. You don't have to stay there. Do you know what I mean? So like when you're thinking about harm or this, this like the, or her passing has brought up fresh, all of this, it's triggered all this, you know, uh, this past trauma for you and, and these actions and behaviors that weren't, weren't great for you. Right. Um, and there's also this thing of we were all swimming in it. Yeah. Right. So I, I think about this with like, I have a ton, I guess, Scottish ancestry. Mm. <laughs> I don't really know where it all comes from, but, um, but when I think about it, Scottish people were colonized, right. And, um, and treated horribly. And then they came here to escape that, but then in turn did it to the indigenous people here. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it's, so it's complex. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just like acknowledging that, that our ancestors were human. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that's the other thing I do is just like, not to like forget or 
just in awe. I, I can acknowledge that and it will all go away. These feelings I'm having, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can acknowledge that they also are human yeah. doing the best they could in this very flawed system, right? And how this work is multi-generational work. So, and we're dealing with generations. Like I'm not very familiar, I'm familiar with a lot of histories around the world, but Greek history is not something I'm super familiar with. But I I have this inkling that there's quite a bit of trauma in Greek history uh, mm-hmm. from like the Ottoman Empire and like totally. all the stuff going on. Um, yeah. I, I can't speak from any like expert level on that but then like any famines it's like you went through any of the wars all of that is living in your bones that was living in your grandmother's bones right and so we we react and carpet you know we, we compartmentalize and often when people come to a new place for a better life they want to play by those rules because they want to gain the same advantage and so if you know, I can only imagine your grandma, like, seeing the advantage, you know, and being like, this is, we mm-hmm. need to be this way so we can have these advantages. Yeah. Because being fat is at a disadvantage, especially now. Right? Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a, it is, it's a disadvantage um, in a lot of ways. And um, that's not right. It's not fair. Yeah. And other people will do everything they can not to have to deal with that. Right. Um, you know, what they think's in their control. Um, and yeah. then the other thing is you could play around with um, an altar but have salt on it. So um, a practice I learned from, I think, Mary Beth, um, the words are going to escape me, but this has always happened to me. I'm really horrible at names. Um, <laughs> I can't think of the name of her program right now. But it could be in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Show Send notes, it to right? Me when you think of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to. She does a lot of lineage work and a lot of ritual work, and she's of an yeah. Italian American descent, and she from Sicily, and she goes back to Sicily. She takes groups there, all of that. Um, she does some really great work. And something I learned from her is that having a jar of salt. So I'm. We're on a podcast, so it wouldn't matter if I showed you. But I have one right now because I have some ancestors that were German Catholic, which is a really long, oh. funny story because I've had two German Catholic long partners in my life. And I had no, and no, like who knows German Catholics in America? Not very many people. And somehow I have two long term partners that were German Catholic. I, Interesting. And, did not grow up religious at all, right? Um, but I do actually have ancestors during Catholic, and the reason I don't know them is because there was a lot of uh, sexual abuse, trauma, and stuff on that side of the family. Which to which my current German Catholic partner said, that checks. You no. know, <laughs> right? Like, right? Like, right? Like these institutions oh, are, yeah. it's a struggle, right? Um, so um, I have a, a jar of salt. Yeah, and I actually have a rosary, right? Well, and because a jar of salt is like just table salt. I don't know. Yeah, whatever salt you want. Yeah, whatever oh. salt you want. It's like it's like cleansing and protective, oh. and in a lot of traditions. And um, yeah. so uh, you put it in a jar, and so you put it on your altar, and you can put it with a picture, and yeah. you can you can say, look, I, it, it's a not well ancestor right mm. you can still honor but you can also say mm. these things were not and like help 
heal that energy yeah. and help heal that um, rift and and help that from continuing on. Mm, Do you know what that. I mean? Yeah. And just because they need us too. Right? Yeah. It's a reciprocal relationship with our ancestors. That's what I believe. Yeah. Well, so. and you're making me think about, uh, I forget what, something that you said just triggered for me around my grandfather, my grandmother thought she was probably just trying to protect me. I mean, it definitely was not malice. It was done out of love, but it's funny. I can, it's hard because it's so close and because it was so painful, it's hard for me to see that. But when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, of course, of course she was doing it out of love. It's how, I mean, when they, when my grandparents, um, both sets of grandparents immigrated to Canada and the US, there was kind of this huge migration in the, I think mid fifties, something like that, early mid fifties. Um, there were signs on stores saying no rats, no Greeks. Like it, it was, we, you know, Greeks were considered non-white um and there was this whole a lot of a lot of racism and discrimination towards greek people and yeah of course you're right like you said of course to to be white passing to fit in with the culture um so i yeah that's actually softened my heart a little bit even just realizing oh yeah right she's it was it was out of protection and love and the only way that really she could now it was one of those things that people always joke about it's like you need to lose weight now eat the spanakopita that i just made you know like it's very it's that we get we have both of those things like a lot of people can relate to with um <laughs> immigrant or like i think that's a kind of like a european thing right you know lose weight lose weight but eat 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 more and Anyway, there, it's, yeah. it is messy. It's messy and it's complicated. And I love the idea of having, because I don't actually, I've really avoided, I have an altar space. I have different things that I meditate over and I have not been able to. And I feel like you've, you've bolstered my courage a little bit to maybe go there and yeah, take a jar of salts and just sit with my grandmother. Ooh, I get teary just thinking about that. That actually feels really hard, but really important. Yeah, I just remember little bites. Little bites. Yeah, thank you. It's it we're, we're I mean, yeah. We're dealing with generations of trauma, right? We're dealing with yeah. Um, we're dealing with this dominant culture's narrative, you yeah. know, um of fitting in. And, and 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 as we know, fat phobia is like the last frontier that it's acceptable to you know and that's yeah. starting to change a tiny bit i think but not you know as we know not not enough <laughs> um, but yeah but even when you're in other marginalized bodies like yeah. being fat is do, do you know what i mean it just makes everything um you know so parents are trying to grapple yeah grapple with how to help their kids navigate this mm-hmm. and i just think it's such a more recent phenomenon to this anti-fatness mm-hmm. in a way that like certain countries and cultures were kind of known for being more you know hefty bill or you mm-hmm. know more, more solid or more tall or you know whatever it was and it just wasn't a, that big of a deal yeah until i can't remember now i know enlightenment you know and all that not enlightenment um renaissance it was after that um I can't think now. The words escape me. 
<laughs> as per usual i love how many memory issues with my uh. um but anyway it was like uh white dudes from the uk like and the whole start of like i think why we like the americans try to get independence from england mm-hmm. and someone will know and say it but um there was just this writing where there was like a moral issue to be thin Yes, it yes. became this like moral issue, and mm-hmm. you know, and well, that to separate from black culture—that's like Sabrina yes. Strings, yeah, yeah, for sure. Fearing the black body, yeah, yeah, and no one who's immigrating here to the new world would want to be associated with a black body because black bodies were treated so horrendously. No one would want that. Who who would want to be treated like that, right? Like I can't, you know, it's it's, hor- yeah. it's horrific, and so um, it, it it makes sense. Right. It's not right. And it was harmful. And again, yeah. you can have intentions, but then you actually have it. like there's intent and then there's actually what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. have to. Yeah, we have to deal with be the honest. Impact. We have to deal with the impact and be honest yeah. about it. So that's yeah. why you shut the jar of salt. So it all stays in there. I love it. It all stays yes. in there. And there is a way to process it after a while. Um, yeah. But Anyway, you have to take her class. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. This is such a great conversation, Shiva. I want to, um, before we close, I would love for you to share with us, because I know you have many ways that you say connected to joy. How do you do that? How do you, yeah, embrace joy in a world that wants to rob you of it? Well, I have a few. One was the some of the podcasts I listen to, because what mm. I find is, is, you know, um, I need support. I need to surround myself with constant support. So like I need, I need to be around other fat people. I need to see fat people in different bodies on my, you know, social media feed. I need to be connected with different people. And, and so some of the ways I do that is like, like, you know, I'm in the deli, um, Kelly deals community that has lots of variety of people and justice informed people that it's delight to make connections in there. Um, I listen to, I love maintenance phase. Oh, my maintenance phase. Mm, yeah. That is just, that keeps blowing my mind. So I'm like, Oh man, I bought that one. hook, line, and sinker. Oh man. I, I totally just like was with the masses on that one, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the three questions with Kat and Val also is an absolute joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a special group called PCOS body liberation mm. for people with PCOS. And it is a anti-diet like, really cool way um lots of great science but just like being around other people with similar lived experience and similar challenges that i'm going through has been so helpful for me even if it didn't do anything like just knowing i'm not alone right yeah just knowing i'm not alone has been made a huge difference for my mental health and just like how i'm tackling that and then i just think about the things i like and i've had to do some work because my body's changed a lot mm-hmm. and I'm not very, as nearly as able-bodied. I'm, some of it's coming back. Who knows what will happen? But today, you know, this is what my body can do. And I've had to, I used to be a world traveler, you know, and I just, that's just not as comfortable for me now. And it just doesn't even hold a lot of, like, that's not where I want to find joy anymore. Um, but where I do find joy is like going to the movie theater with the big, comfortable seats. Yeah. I went and saw um, The Woman King. <gasps> I'm going mm. in two weeks, I hope, with a good friend. We've been saving it for each other. So good. Do it. 
do it. Cannot Definitely wait. do it. Um, and um, I love paddleboarding. And I used to like, I've been paddleboarding for years since Saudi Arabia. And um, I have a wonderful partner. I have a, a partner that I'm with. And they are just so supportive mm. on meeting me where I'm at. So we don't, I can't really stand up right now on a paddleboard, but I still love, mm -hmm. love getting out there. And so I just do what I can. And I just, you know, I just keep repeating, like, I'm having fun. I'm doing what I can. I'm going to take up the space. And, um, and then once in a while, I get a little irritated because people will say, they'll look at my partner and ask him for tips about how to paddleboard when I'm the one that taught him. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've been like in paddleboard mm -hmm. races and, you know, all that, but because oh. I'm a fat chick sitting on it, obviously mm -hmm. I know nothing, but you know, it's just, I, you know, I just have to brush that stuff aside and go out there and do what the hell I want because it just yeah. doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. It just doesn't absolutely. matter. Oh, I love all of those. And thank you for the reminder about finding anti-diet focused support groups or, you know, whether it's on Facebook, or whatever, because I'm on a bunch of endometriosis boards, but oh my God, the diet culture talk is brutal. And why, again, Shiva, there are these moments where I'm like, oh my God, this is like the work I do in the world. Why didn't I even think to type in anti-diet endometriosis? <laughs> like... Oh, or even or how like health at every size will come up. We just right? certain keywords Something. that you can oh. use to kind of filter out some, yeah, just to get a little bit of a better alignment. No, I feel you. It's hard. That's why you have to talk to other people. I know. This is yeah. why. This is why. Like humans are supposed to be connected. Like you know, it's like there's really something to that. We can't. Yeah. We can't yeah. know it all. We know. We need. No, we need people. We need our mirrors. We need people to ask us questions. Yeah, no, that's great. Those are all, I love all those suggestions. And I just, I'm so appreciating right now, Treva, the, the way you're framing, like, this is what my body can do today. And the questions I'm going to ask is, um, am I having fun? Am I feeling good? Like, I, I love that approach. That really is much more of that body neutrality approach. Or I have a client who coined the term, I, I don't know if she created it, but I'd never heard it before, which was body equanimity, which that feels like very much this, yeah, this being in relationship and right relationship with body. And I don't have to love everything about it. I don't have to hate everything about it. I get to just be present with what is. And that feels really good. I yeah and it is like honoring your capacity like yeah. I just have to honor my capacity of dealing like when we go out into the world we're dealing with an anti-fat world right we're yeah. dealing with fat phobia and it's brutal out there you know it's you go to a restaurant and you're like where do I sit what do I do who's gonna you know it's just like it's a lot of extra mental load and it's yeah. it could be harmful and so you know maybe you don't like I just don't do as much as I used to out in the world but <laughs> I also love having company, right? Like I mm -hmm. love doing things with the people. And so I was like, my house is really comfortable right now. I've spent yeah. some time and investment making my house really comfortable. That brings me joy. Yeah. And now I'm like, I should just have people here. Yes. And I don't have to navigate that. Like I know my bathroom is my best. My yeah. couch is where, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I got new dining room chairs that will fit all, you know, anybody I can think of, you know, you know what yeah. I mean? And so it's like, yeah. it's just, um, just thinking about our capacity and being okay yeah. with it changing. Right. Which is also rebellious because that's anti-capitalist, anti-hustle culture, anti-toxic productivity. All the antis make me very happy. I'm like, that's right. I will not, 
I will not conform. Um, thank you, Triva. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I feel so warmed by your presence. And um, I have a little to-do list of things that I'm going to do for myself based on our conversation. To be a little more at peace with my, I'll start with my grandmother. I'm going to take small bites. I'm going to get some salt. And I'm also going to look for a little more uh, weight neutral support group for endo. So thank you. Thank you for my takeaways. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is about. Expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. Today's poem is by Naomi Shihab Nye, and it's called Valentine for Ernest Mann. Every time I read this poem, I am delighted and I am moved by it. I think it's that because there's something so profound about the moment. And you'll hear when I read it, when the poems that have been hiding in the eyes of skunks are, is revealed. It just, it takes my breath away every time. And I chose it for the episode with Treva Woods because Treva has a gift for seeing what is hiding in intergenerational trauma and lineage. And this poem had me thinking a lot about that. So here it is. You can't order a poem like you order a taco. Walk up to the counter and say, I'll take two and expect it to be handed back to you on a shiny plate. Still, I like your spirit. Anyone who says, here's my address, write me a poem, deserves something in reply. So I'll tell a secret instead. Poems hide. In the bottoms of our shoes, they are sleeping. They are the shadows drifting across our ceilings the moment before we wake up. What we have to do is live in a way that lets them find us. Once I knew a man who gave his wife two skunks for a valentine. He couldn't understand why she was crying. I thought they had such beautiful eyes, and he was serious. He was a serious man who lived in a serious way. Nothing was ugly just because the world said so. He really liked those skunks. So he reinvented them as valentines, and they became beautiful, at least to him. And the poems that had been hiding in the eyes of skunks for centuries crawled out and curled up at his feet. Maybe if we reinvent whatever our life gives us, we find poems. Check your garage, the odd sock in your drawer, the person you almost like, but not quite. And let me know. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on the website at www.fatjoy.life, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please don't forget to check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. Talk again soon. Bye.